like the police knew who he was before they got here. From iHeart Podcasts. The medical school dean at USC was leading a secret double life. He's breathing right now? Yes, he's absolutely breathing. I'm a doctor, actually. A story about money, power, and corruption. When people fall in line, they fall in line. Looking back, I realized, oh, everyone knew. I'm Paul Pringle, an investigative reporter for the LA Times. Listen to Fallen Angels, a story of California corruption, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, this is Kurt Woodsmith. You remember me from such TV comedies as That 70s Show and That 90s Show on Netflix. I'll never forget the words that my grandfather said just before he kicked the bucket. He said, watch how far I can kick this bucket. People ask me where I get my dad jokes from. I tell them to listen to the Daily Dad Jokes podcast. Listen to Daily Dad Jokes every day on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Something that makes me crazy is when people say, well, I had this career before, but it was a waste. And that's where the perspective shift comes, that it's not a waste that everything you've done has built you to where you are now. This is She Pivots the podcast where we explore the inspiring pivots women have made and dig deeper into the personal reasons behind them. Join me, Emily Tish sussman every Wednesday on She Pivots. Listen to She Pivots on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Therapy for Black Girls podcast is your space to explore mental health, personal development, and all of the small decisions we can make to become the best possible versions of ourselves. I'm your host, Dr. Joy Harden-Bradford a licensed psychologist in Atlanta, Georgia. And I can't wait for you to join the conversation every Wednesday. Listen to the Therapy for Black Girls podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Take good care, and we'll see you there. Tossed Popcorn is a production of iHeartRadio. Hi, I'm Sienna Jekyll. And I'm Liana Holston. And welcome to Tossed Popcorn, the podcast where two idiots watch every film on the AFI's 100 Greatest American Movies of All Time, the slightly less racist 10th Anniversary Edition. This podcast is a safe space for people who don't know anything about movies. Today, we're watching a spooky film, as voted for by you, our beloved listeners. And that film is Rosemary's Baby. It's alive! Don't be scared, I won't bite. Oh, it's wonderful. It's really easy. <laughs> I feel it kicking. Warning, there will be spoilers about this trash-ass film. Quick content warning for everybody. This episode dives heavily into sexual assault, talking about it in the movie, and the word rape. Yeah, we know it can be a hard word to hear, especially repeated. Um, so we just want to take care of ourselves and of you throughout. Okay, here we go. All right, shall we do our predictions? Oh, shit, yeah. <laughs> Every episode, we predict what we think the movie's going to be about, because obviously we almost never know anything about them going into it. Liana, let's begin with yours. Hi, Sienna. It's Liana. I'm oh, about so to watch Rosemary's Baby, because you assholes <laughs> voted for this film Mm-mm. sorry i don't obviously i obviously don't know anything about this movie of course i don't i've avoided it at all costs as i do with anything spooky i anticipate it's gonna be about a spooky spooky little baby who's probably like a demon or a devil mm. or it's like oh? anti-abortion propaganda maybe i really don't want to do this <laughs> love you bye A very unique prediction. Let's listen to mine. (laughs) Okay. Hi, Liana. It's Sienna. I have been putting off watching Rosemary's Baby for the last four hours, and I can put it off no longer. Mm. First of all, I got to say I'm a little hurt that our listeners voted majority for this movie. Um, Really something to do to us. Really something to make us do. But it's not entirely their fault because we did put it on there. We put it on the poll. Anyway... I think that this movie is going to be, I think Mia Farrow is going to be inseminated with oh. the child of the devil. Okay. And that it's going to be psychedelic and scary and freaky. And I think I'm going to be upset. And I don't, I don't want to do it. I don't want to go. Oh. I don't want to go. Oh. But here I go. Do you know what reference you were making with that? 
No. Oh my god. It's from Avengers Infinity War. Have you seen this movie? No, I haven't seen Avengers movies. Can I spoil it for you? <laughs> Absolutely. I don't want to okay. watch it. When Tom Holland as Spider-Man becomes dust from Thanos, he says to Robert Downey Jr., a.k.a. Tony Stark, a.k.a. Iron Man, I don't want to go. I don't want to go. I don't want to go. And then he disappears. And I, in the movie theater, went, ah! Sienna, would you please do us the kindness of delivering a summary of this film? Rosemary's Baby. <clears throat> Rosemary's baby. The baby. Where is baby's chamber? Okay. Good-hearted Rosemary and her jackass actor husband, Guy, move into a new apartment in the hopes of soon starting a good-hearted little jackass family. Unfortunately for Ro, her baby dreams take a backseat when Guy's flailing career begins to take off, a development which occurs shortly after he befriends the freaky elderly couple across the hall. Rosemary is overjoyed when Guy suddenly shows interest in getting her pregnant. But it happens in the worst way ever, and I don't want to talk about it, and mm -hmm. everyone in her life turns out to be Satanists, and when she has the baby, it turns out to be Satan made flesh. The end. Yep. For most of the movie, she's pregnant. <laughs> like, half of the movie, she's pregnant. Almost the entire film. I feel like she's mostly pregnant. So, mm -hmm. there it is. It really should be called Rosemary's Pregnancy. Yeah. It but should. no one would have watched it. Men hated women so much. And still, to this day, they'd be like, oh my, ew, I don't need to know about that. Yeah, this this film does talk about, like, pregnancy and fertility a good amount for a movie at the time, I'd assume. I'm very curious to hear the historical context for this movie. What did you scoop up? Do you know anything about Roman Polanski? Mm-hmm. Do you know the thing about Roman Polanski? Uh, the reason that he's no longer allowed in the country? Yeah. Not in detail, but I know the age. Okay. We do need to give a content warning, everybody, for this episode. Um, the movie itself involves uh, themes of both suicide and rape. And this historical context segment is also going to be talking about rape. So if you care to skip it, please, please feel free. I had to Google this today and I was in a bad mood and was very sad. Okay. Oh. Rosemary's Baby, the 1968 psychological horror film, was directed by Roman Polanski, who is unfortunately still living. Roman Polanski, where to start? He was married to Sharon Tate, who was famously murdered by the Manson family. He directed this film in 1968. Nine years later, in March of 1977, he raped a 13-year-old girl. He was arrested the next day at the Beverly Wilshire Hotel in Beverly Hills. I do want to say there are a lot of details out there because they went to trial. So if you are curious about this case, you can learn more. I am not going to go into more detail about the actual assault because it is triggering. On March 24th of 1977, an L.A. County grand jury indicted Roman Polanski on six felony counts, including, quote, rape by use of drugs and furnishing a controlled substance to a minor, end quote. On August 8th of that year, Polanski pled guilty to statutory rape, which was, quote unquote, the least intense charge that he was, I don't know, given. And then he went on the run on February 1st of 1978. He fled to Europe. He went to France. And there was something about the Franco-American extradition treaty. And so America couldn't extradite him from France, which is why he wasn't like brought back to the country and actually arrested or like he didn't serve more time. So he's been in Europe since then. Like he's not come back to America because he can't because if he does, he'll get like arrested again. Skipping forward many, many years on September 26th, 2009, 2009. Polanski was detained in Switzerland after American authorities made a provisional request for his arrest. He spent 76 days in a Zurich detention center, 76 days for raping a 13-year-old girl, and then was released to house arrest at his chalet called Milky Way at the Swiss ski resort Gestad. In 2016, Poland denied extradition requests from the U.S., this next part is like extra tough. So again, if you want to skip, I really understand. Um, Polanski wrote extensively about this in his book um, oh. to the point that like there's no ambiguity about it. Like he did it. He has said things like he was confused upon his March 1977 arrest, saying it never crossed his mind that what he did was rape. Oh. He also wrote, oh, yep. The ski resort in Gestad that he went to. Some things that he wrote. Um, and I don't know if we'll keep this. I just think it's important to get these things out there because a lot of people prize this director and are like, separate the art from the artist. And I'm like, mm -hmm. all right, well, let's confront what else they wrote and see if you still want to be saying that. 
Right. His art. So Polanski discovered Gestat after his wife was murdered and some friends took him to this ski resort to sort of recharge. And he wrote in his autobiography that Gestad was, quote, the finishing school capital of the world with hundreds of fresh-faced, nubile young girls of all nationalities. At the time, quote, Kathy, Madeline, Sylvia, and others whose names I forget played a fleeting but therapeutic role in my life. They were all between 16 and 19 years old. They took to visiting my chalet, not necessarily to make love, though some of them did. Oh but to listen to rock music and sit around the fire and talk. He described sitting in his car outside the schools at night, waiting for his, quote, date to climb over the balcony after roll call. At this Uh age, Polanski wrote, the girls, quote, were more beautiful in a natural, cultish way than they ever would be again. Polanski has been making movies This whole time. He still got to make movies after what he did. In August of 1978, one and a half years after he raped a child, he films a movie in Paris and gets nominated for an Oscar. Tons of stars have worked with him. They even signed a petition after his 2009 Zurich arrest to support him. He literally won an Oscar for Best Directing in 2003 for the film The Pianist and is still making films to this day, one of which is slated to come out in 2022. Oh, my God. I hope he dies. And finally, as of 2017, five women had come forward accusing Polanski of sexually assaulting them when they were children, one of whom was 10 years old at the time of the assault. And that's the historical context I'm going to give you for this film. Yeah, I feel physically ill. I felt so nauseous all day. Yeah, I did not ever, I didn't, I I knew the vague yeah. deal, but to hear about it in detail is really upsetting. It's really upsetting. Um, and then this is a movie about rape. That's like the point of the movie. Yeah. And then also about having a child. Yeah. Okay, also just to say if all this talk feels really depressing or upsetting to hear about all the rape uh that's what the movie is so like <laughs> that's what you're signing up for with this guy He's that's crazy. actually what his content is so mm-hmm. roman polanski is fully a monster it was also insane doing this research today because some of these articles were from like 2009 or 2014 and they were saying things like other hollywood a-listers like woody allen and harvey weinstein have oh. come forward in support of polanski and i was like yeah no shit they did so funny that he made this movie about a group of monsters supporting each other. That's really terrible. Everybody pause, take a break. And then when you come back from that break, we're going to make it as fun as possible. That's right. Because because in order to have a fun time recording tonight, we're, uh, we have to. Yep. <laughs> so uh, we'll make fun of it too. <laughs> I think it's also like, honestly, in a not like ironic way like reclaiming our power a little bit and mm-hmm. just saying like you know what we are still gonna have a good time with this show that we are fully in charge of and nobody including this five foot three monster of an asshole can ruin that for us fuck you polanski <laughs> merch oh my god merch okay merch i love that yeah i love it absolutely i already really i'll put it on his grave as soon as he dies <laughs> i'm so excited for roman polanski to die i will do a little dance the day it happens We're going to move on to phone notes, which is where we discuss with each other the notes we took on our phones while we watched this film. Okay, the movie starts out with a shot of New York City and pink credits rolling and la 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 (laughs) in the background. Sienna, what did you think of the woman singing? Because in our Wizard of Oz episode, we both were kind of like, yes. Yeah. This one was hilarious. (laughs) I immediately, I paused it one second into the film and I said, nope. La, 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 (laughs) la. Listener, you have to understand that Sienna is once again making direct eye contact and doing a little like ghostly shoulder shrug. La, 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 la. Here's something. Mm. Throughout the film, I was completely convinced that Mia Farrow is Gwyneth Paltrow's mom. Mm. She looks so much like her, doesn't she? I I see the likeness. I do. But so unfortunately a lot of my notes are like, "Oh my god, no wonder Gwyneth is so successful. Like, look at this lineage. Look at this jawline she inherited." I get it. 
It turns out Gwyneth's mom is Blythe Danner, which I thought was a Broadway show. But that's Blythe's spirit. Oh. So the premise of the movie to begin with is that they're moving into a new apartment. And this was the first time I was watching a movie for this podcast in my new apartment. Oh, my goodness. So I was like, yay. And then I was like, wait. I was wondering, her husband is a stupid actor. She not employed? How do they have the money for all of this redecorating? And their apartment? And all of her outfits? And and the, the creepy elderly women keep being like, these are nice things. And she's like, yeah, I have nice things. Yeah. No, I know. A failing actor and a homemaker are able to own this. I brought that up while watching it. And again, I watched it with my family. <laughs> my mom is in town. Thank you. Um, My mom, my brother, and my roommate. And... I said this and my mom was like, yeah, I mean, like people used to be able to make a living wage. Oh my God, I forgot that. I genuinely forgot that. Me too. He just made enough money to oh be Oh my God. <laughs> Wait, that's that's actually crazy. I know. Oh, her outfits were so cute. I thought you were going to say that. They dressed her like an eight-year-old. I mean, come on. Um, like in the baby doll dresses? Is that just how pregnant women have to dress? It was the era. They wore those things. She looked just like Twiggy, by the way. Mm-hmm. No, her outfits were so, so, so cute, which was really confusing. The outfits and the interior design were so cute and pretty to look at. And you know that the movie's going to be really freaky. Mm-hmm. I, don't know. I don't know what to do about that, but I did like her outfits. Yeah. They were sacks for children. I mean, that that's true. <laughs> um, we have to talk about her laundry friend. Oh, my gosh. So this woman, Terry, walks up dressed just like my grandma, <laughs> almost a bouffant and a bright, loud top. Her first female friend that is immediately taken away from her. Yep. Terry's wearing like a cursed amulet. And she's like, sorry, it smells weird. <laughs> I love making friends like that. You walk down to the laundry and they're like, sorry if my cursed amulet kind of smells. Do you want to come to the laundry every week together? I also, those two women were in the basement, the spooky laundry basement, doing their laundry. And they were like, oh, it's so spooky down here. Then they heard a loud shattering noise. And did you see how they just didn't do anything? Well, then they're like, I hate this basement. It's like, that's not a basement noise. Somebody smashed a glass over someone else's head. (laughs) The pain will go away in a day or two. And we're going to go away for a second or two. Time for some ad breaks. Something that makes me crazy is when people say, well, I had this career before, but it was a waste. And that's where the perspective shift comes, that it's not a waste that everything you've done has built you to where you are now. This is She Pivots, the podcast where we explore the inspiring pivots women have made and dig deeper into the personal reasons behind them. Join me, Emily Tish sussman every Wednesday on She Pivots as I sit down with inspiring women like Misty Copeland, Brooke Shields, Vanessa Hudgens, and so many more. We dive into how these women made their pivot and their mindset shifts that happened as a result. It's a podcast about women, their stories, and how their pivot became their success. Listen to She Pivots on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, I'm Jay Shetty, and I'm the host of On Purpose. On Purpose's mission is to create impactful conversations to help you become happier, healthier, and more healed. This week, I talked to Tiffany Haddish in a hilarious, deep, thoughtful interview where we dive into family trauma, grief, sobriety, love, and dating. You'll be laughing, crying, and have so many impactful takeaways after this interview. I had this, like, you know, homie lover friend for a long time. He's very disrespectful to me, very kind of messed up to me. But in my mind, we could get married. We had the most beautiful babies. He handsome. I'm pretty. Like, it would be so cool. He's smart and intellectual. I'm kind of smart, I think. Like, it would be fun. We have the best conversations. Like, we have fun. But then he would treat me like crap. Listen to On Purpose with Jay Shetty on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts. Trust me, you won't want to miss this one. Hi there, I'm Bob Pittman, Chairman and CEO of iHeartMedia. Welcome to Math & Magic, Stories from the Frontiers of Marketing. This week, I'm talking to the one and only Ryan Seacrest. Love the connection to people. I think at the core 
what I get excited about, what gets me up in the morning is connecting with people in an unscripted, unvarnished way. It's getting to to say something to them, hear back from them, know that I'm part of the routine. And I look forward to getting on the air. I look forward to it. In these exciting times, we're looking to the math, the strategy and analytics, and the magic, the creative spark more than ever. Listen to Math & Magic on our very own iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. I never thought I'd take my three young kids to Sicily to solve a century-old mystery. But that's what I'm doing in my new podcast, The Sicilian Inheritance. Join us as we travel thousands of miles on the beautiful and crazy island of Sicily. As I trace my roots back through a mystery for the ages and untangle clues within my family's origin story, which has morphed like a game of telephone through the generations. Was our family matriarch killed in a land deal gone wrong? Or was it by the Sicilian mafia? A lover's quarrel? Or was she, as my father believed, a witch? Listen to The Sicilian Inheritance on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I don't know if this sh- this movie really understood female friendship. No. <laughs> I don't think this movie understood female anything. So many of the reviews were like, it's so cool to see like horror from the woman's perspective. And I'm like, this book was written by a man. The movie was written by a man. The movie was directed by a man. Most of the people praising this movie are men. <laughs> All the people who like it right now are men. Yeah. What I had a question was, I wonder what people in the 60s found scary about it. Because what's scary about it now is the fact that none of the men in her life were listening to her. Her doctor is actually gaslighting her into not thinking she's unwell during this pregnancy. And the final man that she goes to for help just refers back to the other men in her life and they take her and continue to make her life hell. Absolutely. And one thing that's important. Okay, so as we've said, everybody turns out to be Satanists and turns out the whole and there are women, of course, involved as well. Um, Old women, old men youngs as well yes all of them Uh, white this was her whole community because she'd been forced to only see this community and none of her friends anyway they were all satanists working together but the man at the very end the doctor dr hill he wasn't a satanist he was just a man (laughs) he was literally just part of the men and so he was just as evil yeah the thing that was so scary as you're saying and i'm doing some real gen z hands right now the only authority figures she had to go to mm-hmm. were all men. Yeah. That's what I was going to say. And they were all people who were in this group who were out to get her. And that is a scary thing. She had no women or confidants to go to. Yeah. And like halfway through the movie, she throws a party and invites her actual friends who, where were they and where did they go? And her women friends are like, girl, you should not be in this much pain. And Gwyneth Paltrow's mom is like sobbing because she's in so much pregnancy pain the whole time. And the women all were like, girl, that's not normal. Like, what? you should get a second opinion. Like, we are here to help. And then her asshole husband, whose name is Guy. The everyman. Just a guy. (laughs) He's a guy. It reminded me of that. There was a tweet once that was like, I can't believe almost every woman's boyfriend is just some guy. So true. None of them are special or interesting. Just a guy. Did you notice when he was wearing a white, an all white suit guy? I noticed when a different, very wealthy man was wearing an all white suit right at the end. I was so confused. Maybe that represents affluence in this sort of world because he was wearing the white suit. I noticed it because it was really weird. And it was just right when he started doing well as an actor. Oh, I bet it did. I feel like that's a thing. Like, because if you're rich, you can just wear white and like, you know, you're not going to have dirt in your day. And they're showing off of their man. So they're not going to bleed period blood all over it. (laughs) 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 Okay. One thing this movie does because they have a plot to impregnate her because of that. It is does have a very cool moment where three women talk about their period. Do they? (gasps) Okay. The fact that you don't remember this is insane to me because I love talking to women about our periods. So much. <laughs> Periods are hilarious. It is insane that we have to deal with them. And yeah. <laughs> Wait, I once so dropped true. a class. Wait, hang on. We all should be allowed to sit down more often and be like, this is crazy, right? <laughs> what the fuck is happening? <laughs> Just bleed sometimes. And I'm in so much pain. All right. 
I once dropped a class because I had my period so bad. Yeah. The number of nights I like couldn't go out because I was lying on the floor curled up in a ball due to pain. Yeah, super cool. When do they talk about their period? In retrospect, it was shortly before the ceremony um, mm. happens. It was uh, Minnie, Minnie the chaotic Satanist neighbor, and one of her friends, one of the, another old lady friend, they barge their way into her house and they sit down. Oh, and, and they like, start knitting. Yeah, they start knitting furiously and they're like, I'm on my period. <laughs> and she's like, I'm on my period. And they're like, I'm on my period. <laughs> Which is like my dream conversation. Oh, my God. I Here's how I know I didn't hear that. Because the woman who the neighbor brings along sits directly on Gwyneth's mom's open book that was on the couch. She sits on <laughs> half of the book. And I was like, the spine. <laughs> the spine of the novel. Oh, it's going to be damaged. Do you remember when there was a random flashback scene with a nun in it? <laughs> What is with uncontextualized yes. nuns in old movies? I've now seen the entire film and I don't understand what that was. There weren't more flashbacks. That was the one flashback. It was like a Queen's Gambit moment where she goes back to maybe an orphanage. It was so weird. And then she confesses to a construction worker. <laughs> this is where I was really holding dear your words from the Raging Bull episode of just stupid fucking art that a man makes you watch. Yeah. There was a lot of that in this. There's a bunch of weird, trippy dream sequences that are super weird. Yeah. Do you want to quickly run through the scene? I'm going to quickly run through the scene again. Feel free to skip this summary because, again, we're going to be talking about sexual assault. Um, what were you going to say? There's just something I really want to talk about that I want to make sure you don't just blow past. Um, oh. <laughs> okay. And, okay. Don't. We'll go back to the moose is basically it. Go No, you can do that. The moose. Um, the scene. Guy makes a deal with the Satanists where literal Satan can impregnate Mia, Pharaoh, in exchange for Guy having career success. There's a really weird like dream sequence. Guy has Rosemary drugged by like a pudding cup that their neighbor brings up that tastes chalky. Moose. And then Guy's like, nope, we're going to go back to it. That moose. I thought you meant the animal. Like a moose. You didn't see the moose? I was either? like, I would have seen a moose. <laughs> There's one thing I'm going to see in a film. It's a moose. I would have clocked that moose because there was no no horse in this one. And that's another reason it was trash. And why it's not on the AFI list. Yes. Almost certainly yes. I'm actually starting to be disappointed when I don't see a horse I in know. media. I'm like, ooh, where's this one going to be? We're becoming conditioned. <laughs> so she gets drugged. She like passes out. She gets really woozy. And guy's like, oh, my God, you had too much to drink. Let me put you to bed. And this is during her ovulation period, so they had planned to have sex that night so that she could conceive a child. With her which husband, is like, which she wanted to do. With her husband, which she wanted to do. And she was like, oh, we, we were supposed to have sex. And he's like, oh, we can do it tomorrow. It's okay. You're still ovulating tomorrow. And then there's this really trippy dream sequence on a yacht with a bunch of like people on a yacht. And for no goddamn reason, Rosemary is naked for all of it. I tried to start counting the number of unnecessary boobs in this film, and then you quickly lose count because suddenly Rosemary is back on her bed at like the Satanist ceremony and everyone is naked and then literal Satan rapes her. It's like pretty graphically depicted. It's extremely sexually explicit too. Like there's like a close up on her breasts. It's so upsetting to watch, especially knowing that Roman Polanski was a fucking nightmare of a... Yeah. And that is the ceremony. And at one point... Rosemary is like, oh, this isn't a dream. This is real. And then she like falls back into unconsciousness. And then she wakes up the next morning and is like, I had a really weird dream that I that someone was raping me. And her husband's like, oh, ha ha. No. And then she looks and she has yeah. scratches along the side of her torso. And she's like, what happened? And then her husband says, oh, I had sex with you while you were asleep. Something also insane to note. I know I've been talking for a while. Marital rape was still legal the year this movie came out. And that makes a lot of sense. Something else to note for the listeners, in case you're confused about what the concept of consent is, if the person is asleep, they can't say yes. Therefore, they cannot give consent. Okay. I'm going to have some water. No, he literally says, no, 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 no. Nobody raped you. I raped you. Yeah. Oh, and then he said, it was kind of fun in like a necrophiliac way. He literally jokes about it. She's obviously really freaked out. It's really bad. 
please talk about the moose. So the moose. The way that she gets drugged is through eating moose. Okay, <clears throat> they're sitting at dinner trying to get horny so that they can do each other and make a baby. And then there's a knock on the door. What's his name? Guy goes and... Uh, it's very funny that we can't remember his name. <laughs> Guy goes to the door. It's Minnie. She doesn't come in, but he comes back with two huge, heaping cups full of chocolate mousse. Goblets, one and could say. Goblets. What kills me about the moose is that the premise of this, the premise of her getting drugged, which leads to her rape, which leads to her getting pregnant, which is the whole point of this horrible film, is it is founded upon the fact that she, because she actually didn't, she didn't get drugged enough, which is why she woke up partway through. Oh, because, because, because the expectation is that she was supposed to swiftly gobble down this entire cup of fucking moose. Hmm. Do you remember when they got the moose? So, yes. Okay, they get it. And he just, he starts sucking down this chocolate mousse so rapidly. And then she's like, oh, it has an undertaste. A chalky, a chalky undertaste. undertaste. I don't want any more. And then he's like, oh. There's always something. There's always something. And she's like, fine, no, fine. I'll do it. Fine. I'll do it. Which is a big energy that she has throughout the film. And then um, starts scarfing the mousse and has to pretend to eat all of it. And he's like, good, good. You ate that much mousse. In a very normal amount of time. Good. Mm -hmm. But it's way too much moose. Way too fast. And this is the 60s. They ate way less then. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Portion size is much smaller. Thank you. Yeah, it is nuts. This also, we should note, is like before the really disturbing sequence. So we don't know yet what's coming. So it does feel very silly no, that she suddenly really is like so dizzy. And I was like, what the fuck? Do you remember what she says when he comes back to collect her dish after she's dumped the moose into her lap? There, daddy, I ate it all, or something like that. She says, there, daddy, do I get a gold star? Directed by Roman Polanski. Oh, God. Yep. Uh... I know. And I'm sorry to keep bringing that up, except that I have to keep bringing that up. Because you people keep praising this movie. Yeah, all these the dudes getting canceled and whatever, they're like, oh, like... We shouldn't cancel them and their art, blah, 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 blah. Their art, blah. Okay, it's exhausting to watch this art when mm -hmm. you know what somebody did. You can't watch a scene where they say daddy when you know that he raped a 13-year-old mm -hmm. and enjoy that. That's mm -hmm. why we stop watching your goddamn movies beyond just not wanting to support you. It's because it's so tiring. Yeah. Also, a lot of these movies involve sexual assault. Yeah. Okay, yeah, I did write like... Okay, so first of all, Mia Farrow's really good in this. She's like a fantastic actress. That's why her daughter Gwyneth is so good at acting. <laughs> Um, is she known for being an amazing actress, Gwyneth Paltrow? No, she's she just does? very tall, and she sells uh. expensive facial cream. <laughs> Women have more range than getting raped, and I think a lot of male directors don't know that. That's right. They're great actresses. They can do so much more, but they're like, that is the greatest thing you can give a woman. No, that's so true. And they also literally don't know how to progress a storyline of a woman's character beyond yeah. like either rape or pregnancy or both. So many TV shows these days, the season finale ends with, oh, my God, and she's pregnant because we actually don't know what else happens in a woman's life. If she doesn't get pregnant, what else, like what possibly could be dramatic and interesting about right. her? What is a woman but her body and what happens to it? Oh, the baby is due on June of 1966. Wow, 666. Aren't you boys clever? How'd you figure so, that one out? So very clever. Okay, yeah, she gets pregnant. They're like, to the baby and then knock down a glass of wine <laughs> oh yeah that was funny i think this is before that was bad <laughs> okay when they're at the party later and by the way the best part of the movie is when the girls all the other women with her literally shove her husband out of the door and say yep. girls only absolutely oh. love but before that a very funny part that actually made me laugh <laughs> was as she's like walking around the party She's like figuring out that her husband's, that there's weird stuff going on at this point, right? And earlier, her husband, one of the ways that his career was advanced was because another actor who had a part that he didn't get went blind and couldn't do the part. And so he got it. And so obviously there's some weird stuff going on with this, these Satanists. But some people are talking about this man at the party and they're like, he's still blind. He's still blind. He's still blind. <laughs> she literally, Mia calls him once and is like, are you still blind? <laughs> Okay, and every phone call in this movie ends like like they just kind of hang up halfway through somebody saying anything. Like he's like, yeah, it, it really sucks. And she's like, click. <laughs> I have to go now. Oh, another 
stupid fucking art thing about this movie that I don't know if you noticed is um really kind of condescending way of saying that. No, it's pretty likely that I didn't. <laughs> A lot of scenes like stopped partway through somebody just talking. Huh. Early on, I remember her being like, you know, he's really busy with his work, so he doesn't have time to have a baby. And, and then it just kind of, the scene ends and they move on. <laughs> it feels very much like how men listen to women. <laughs> like, I think genuinely the man who wrote this was like, that's all I can remember her saying. And then I left or I just like, to, something else happened that was more important because it was about me. So <laughs> I guess I just end it there. That's so funny. And that like hurts deeply. Yeah. And that's so funny <laughs> as a reading of this movie is just like what guys pay attention to oh my god i forgot to tell you remember that book that her friend hutch who was trying to help her and then unfortunately fell into a coma and died he gives her a book all of them witches all of mm-hmm. it's called all of them witches and the woman who passes it along to her is like the name is an anagram as soon as she said that i got out my whiteboard and i wrote down all of them witches and i started trying to solve this anagram so for genuinely maybe 40 minutes of the film, I was barely watching it because I was just doing this anagram on a whiteboard. And it also turned out the name was not the title of the book that the woman was referring to. It was the name of the man in the book. And I, you, I looked nuts. I truly looked like a conspiracy theorist with my whiteboard. I was like, oh, my God, like fathom. <laughs> Hell is mother. There's no art. I was determined to get it before Gwyneth's mom did. I was like, I got to. She's pregnant and distraught. Like, there's no way she's in a better spot to be doing mind puzzles right now. Now is the perfect time to try to figure out what the fuck all of them witches is an anagram for. We'll be right back. Something that makes me crazy is when people say, well, I had this career before, but it was a waste. And that's where the perspective shift comes, that it's not a waste that everything you've done has built you to where you are now. This is She Pivots, the podcast where we explore the inspiring pivots women have made and dig deeper into the personal reasons behind them. Join me, Emily Tish sussman every Wednesday on She Pivots as I sit down with inspiring women like Misty Copeland, Brooke Shields, Vanessa Hudgens, and so many more. We dive into how these women made their pivot and their mindset shifts that happened as a result. It's a podcast about women, their stories, and how their pivot became their success. Listen to She Pivots on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, I'm Jay Shetty, and I'm the host of On Purpose. On Purpose's mission is to create impactful conversations to help you become happier, healthier, and more healed. This week, I talked to Tiffany Haddish in a hilarious, deep, thoughtful interview where we dive into family trauma, grief, sobriety, love, and dating. You'll be laughing, crying, and have so many impactful takeaways after this interview. I had this, like, you know, homie lover friend for a long time. He's very disrespectful to me, very kind of messed up to me. But in my mind, we could get married. We had the most beautiful babies. He handsome. I'm pretty. Like, it would be so cool. He's smart and intellectual. I'm kind of smart, I think. Like, it would be fun. We have the best conversations. Like, we have fun. But then he would treat me like crap. Listen to On Purpose with Jay Shetty on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts. Trust me, you won't want to miss this one. I never thought I'd take my three young kids to Sicily to solve a century-old mystery, but that's what I'm doing in my new podcast, The Sicilian Inheritance. Join us as we travel thousands of miles on the beautiful and crazy island of Sicily as I trace my roots back through a mystery for the ages and untangle clues within my family's origin story, which has morphed like a game of telephone through the generations. Was our family matriarch killed in a land deal gone wrong? Or was it by the Sicilian Mafia? A lover's quarrel? Or was she, as my father believed, a witch? Listen to The Sicilian Inheritance on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi there, I'm Bob Pittman, Chairman and CEO of iHeartMedia. 
Welcome to Math & Magic, Stories from the Frontiers of Marketing. This week, I'm talking to the one and only Ryan Seacrest. Love the connection to people. I think at the core, what I get excited about, what gets me up in the morning is connecting with people in an unscripted, unvarnished way. Is getting to to say something to them, hear back from them, know that I'm part of the routine. And I look forward to getting on the air. I look forward to it. In these exciting times, we're looking to the math, the strategy and analytics, and the magic, the creative spark more than ever. Listen to Math & Magic on our very own iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcast. The final thing I wrote that I didn't even notice because I wrote it so big because I wanted to remember to say it to you. Was, yep. Okay, at the very end when she enters the scene with the knife. So at the very end, she gives birth to this baby while unconscious and mm -hmm. all the Satanists come in. She figures it out. They all come in and they trap her. She's very powerless. It's very upsetting towards the end. Um, and they told her the baby isn't alive, but they kept gathering her breast milk. And she's like, I think that baby's alive. Anyway. She, she also hears a baby cry. Yeah, that too. Um and she figures out the secret passageway to get there. Anyway, she grabs a knife, runs into the room where they're having one of their Satanist parties, which it seemed to be having all the time. And she walks in there holding a huge knife and nobody notices her for the longest time. It's so weird. And that it's was literally us. That was literally us at that party the other week. <laughs> oh, my God. Were they Satanists? <gasps> no. I wish. They were just men. They were just men. Which, like, you can't trust them. They're so scary. And that party was scary. It was scary. It's scary to not feel seen. Yeah. Which is a lot of the elements of this film, especially when she goes to that party. And that is exactly what we experienced when we went to this party with the, the blandest men on the planet who didn't care. We could have been holding long knives and maybe should have. I know. We could have been wielding anything and they would not have looked in our direction. Oh, my God. This knife also that she's holding, it's not like a classic horror film butcher's knife. It's like a... Like a carving the turkey knife. It's very long. It was like a saber. Why was it so long? I don't know. Think about what part of the kitchen she got that from. The Thanksgiving section. Um, I have a little segment for you. <laughs> gimme, gimme. But it's basically just like me being excited to see a baby that's a demon. <laughs> Here we go. Somebody says early in the film, in 59, a dead infant was found wrapped in newspaper in the basement. And I was like, is that Rosemary's baby? <laughs> The doctor, Hill, who she first goes to, calls the next day and is like, we'd like another blood sample. And I was like, yeah, because your baby is a demon. <laughs> like, of course. Demon blood. And then when they're drinking the wine down after she finds out she's pregnant, somebody says to a fine, healthy baby, who is a demon. <laughs> um, yes, she's pale and gaunt because she's about to birth a demon. Uh-huh. And then after the party, it kicks and she's like, oh my God, it's alive. And I was like, yes, because it's a demon. And then she's like, do you want to feel it? Oh, don't be scared. It won't bite. And I was like, girl, yes, it absolutely will. It is a demon. And then she goes in. She's got her long ass knife. The baby cradle is like gray. No, fully black, black curtains and an upside down cross. I don't know why I said gray. That's really, Maybe am I, am, I, am I a dog? <laughs> it is specifically black. Yeah. Anyway, um, they named the baby Adrian, which I thought was a weird name for a demon. And then the whole time I was like, are we going to see the demon baby? Come on, I got to see the demon baby. Or what was it all for? And then I was like, why does the baby sound like a regular baby if the baby is a demon? Yeah. And then finally I said, Polanski is an even bigger dick than I thought. We didn't even get to see the baby who is a demon. Because I love to Google stills of horror films and be like mm -hmm. sort of microdose spook. And with this one, I thought we were going to get like a little wave of it the movie's called rosemary's baby we don't even see the fucking baby men are so stupid yeah you never freaking see that freaking baby no you don't that baby's just implied there's not much baby implied baby that's a horror film of its own at one point she was like i have 16 nieces and nephews and i was like oh oh that's God. terrifying <laughs> all right this is a little segment we'd like to call Badges and Trages, where we award badges for things that we found nice in the film and trages for things that we hated. Uh, Liana, did you have any badges? No. Literally none? I will not award this film a single badge on principle. I did, and then I was like, you know what? No. 
Also, my badge was like lightly problematic in and of itself in that it was going to be a badge for Hutch, the guy who dies, having a little framed photo of Winston Churchill on his table. And that's not me endorsing Churchill. That's just me being like, oh, my God, that's so him. Okay, that's a really funny thing to say. (laughs) You guys don't know that much about Hutch because we didn't tell you that much. And also, you're never going to watch this movie because you shouldn't. Uh But that's really funny. (laughs) Do you have any badges to award? Yeah, but now I feel like a freaking scab if I say mine. It's okay. I will allow you to cross the picket line. Okay, um... My badges for this film, women talking about their periods, yes, super duper cute outfits, uh, 1960s interiors, Mia Farrow is so good. Yeah. Gwyneth's mom, talented. Explaining everything at the end and not cutting it artistically short at the very, very end. <laughs> that's only because I really kept thinking it was going to stop. At, like in the final 30 minutes or so, I was like, here it goes. Here it's going to stop. It's going to be stupid and stop. But it was before, I think, before they did things in that way stupid and everything else was just stupid yeah and then i liked her slippers did you see her blue slippers she's wearing fuzzy blue slippers for most of it that's nice it was nice that is nice at least they gave her comfortable footwear and then at the very end the very final slippers she puts on are these uncomfortable looking white slippers hooves comma cloven (laughs) i'm so mad we didn't get to see a demon baby that's all i I wanted Babies are so small. Like, what are you going to do? <laughs> I, I could fight a demon baby. I'm not worried. It's not scary to me. It's just fun. Do you have any tragedies, though? I sure do. Obviously, a trage for Roman Polanski. I'm so excited for him to die. Um, a trage for exposition up top that I couldn't hear over the chips that I was eating. A trage for, hey, let's make love. And then the worst sex scene I've ever seen in a film. This is when they've just moved into the apartment. <laughs> And they're on the floor because apparently they have no goddamn furniture. Where did they live before? Where did that furniture go? They're eating a meal. Her husband, Guy, who sucks, is just eaten. And she's like, let's make love. And then they, away from each other, undress, and then are on the floor. There's no foreplay. It is so unappealing. It's so not hot. Uh, Trash for, I won't have an abortion. This is where I was like, it's a little bit anti-abortion propaganda because the whole movie they're like she's so pure and good and catholic like she's an angel she would never have an abortion so there's it's not explicitly stated but it did feel like underlying sort of coded language against having an abortion yeah sienna what are your tragedies um i had none just kidding (laughs) oh my god (laughs) no um okay spookier than rosemary's baby I didn't have a single trage about Rosemary's Baby. Ooh. This is my, this is like, this would be the horror film version of our podcast is like by the end of it, you actually are like a film bro. I actually really kind of liked it. No, no. <laughs> I liked all the camera work. <laughs> On screen boobs times like a hundred million because they were being touched by devil hands in a rape. Quite literally um, ad nauseum. Um, <laughs> ad nauseum, it means to the point of nausea in Latin. Yeah, that's like, that's like, that was such, that was a huge pendulum swing from I don't get it to I so deeply agree. Because I felt sick for this film. And I was about to say, like, by the time I looked at the end of my tragedies and I felt ill. Trage for a rape scene, just in general, they put these in movies and you never have to put them in. Nope. You never have to put them in. Think about that. Yeah. It's it's sort of that thing of like, I feel that the only people who can joke about sexual assault are survivors of sexual assault, like people who've been through it. Um, I think I feel similarly about it, about like creating art around it. I don't know. There's not really mm-hmm. a point to be made here. We don't yeah, need rape is. scenes. We just don't need them. No, that's a good point. Which oh, is- thank you. <laughs> a, if you haven't encountered them. B, if you've encountered them as the perpetrator, shouldn't be making them. Yep. Can you believe a man who stated that he didn't understand the definition of rape? made a movie about rape that that's like a very famous rape scene that people i'm sure praise mm-hmm. pretty pretty crazy there okay. was also this like oh, this horrifying way that people talk about like summarizing films with rape in them where they're like oh my gosh yeah and then she gets raped by the devil and it's crazy that you glide over it in a way that is horrific yeah no i that's i, I think about that as well okay yeah tread for i also had a trend for roman polanski oh Final trage for men tricking women. I hate watching that. Mm. It feels so bad because it happens so much in real life and it feels really gross. So anyway, very horrible. 
definitely a horror film because it's just men tricking women the yeah. whole time. And then not believing them <laughs> when they say that they're in pain. Besties, we are looking out for you. We are now going on to our segment, How to Pretend You've Seen This Film. Oh. This is for you are okay. at a Halloween party. Oh. Halloween episode. Spooky episode. And Connor from across the hall at college, who always had a Woody Allen poster hanging over his bed, comes up to you at a Halloween party. And even though your costume is just a shirt that says, don't talk to me about film. <laughs> Still, Connor comes up to you and he says, film? My favorite film is Rosemary's Baby. Have you ever seen it? I'm, I'm just now realizing this segment is insane because it involves a man asking a woman a question about herself. Yeah, that would never happen. This would literally never happen. I guess they would just be like, oh, that reminds me of this film. And then they would talk at you no, about exactly. it. And in order to stop that speaking from happening, the only way to take it down is by saying a fact of your own. Here are some sentences you can say to pretend you've seen the film Rosemary's Baby. Connor, you may not have noticed this, but at the end of the film, Rosemary looks really scared. This is when she looks into the cradle of the baby, and we're led to believe that it's because the baby's eyes look inhuman like the devil's, but a deeper reading of the film will tell you that she's actually scared to discover that she's given birth to a baby boy. Ah! Well, Connor, I actually have a lot to say about this film, and I'm going to start saying it right now. End scene. <laughs> and that's all Connor heard. Rosemary's husband, Guy, is named Guy because he's an everyman. And that's because everyman is scary and can't be trusted. <laughs> Connor, um, I really don't want to drink that weird milk beverage that you've made that looks like it also has, like, rosemary in it. No, thank you. Also, like, does, it sa does Satan need proper prenatal care? Like, <laughs> what's, like, a Lamaze class for a Satan baby? <laughs> we won't know because we never fucking got to I want to see Tumblebugs with Adrian the demon baby do you know what Tumblebugs is? No. it's gymnastics for two year olds <laughs> yeah no is there a sequel for this because which is actually Rosemary's baby Rosemary's, Rosemary's toddler, toddler. <gasps> the problem is like anything fun about this the problem is that it's still tied to Roman Polanski they ruin everything they ruin everything like just talking about it giving it any semblance of a platform then it inherently gives him a platform which leads us, actually, to our next segment, which is all about saving you precious time. This segment is called Should You Watch This Or, where we tell you if it's worth watching this film or if you should spend your time doing something else. Sienna, what would you recommend? This movie, in some ways, it's pretty good. Uh... Immediate panic as soon as she said that. <laughs> She actually, like, cringed away from herself. Separating the art from the artist. Uh, oh, my no, God. No. Horror film. No, no, no. It it was like a thrilling experience, but it just feels so bad because you feel like you're contributing to this predator's life and fortune and you're mm. supporting him in some way while doing it. And so I'm going to offer you a similarly thrilling, dark, upsetting piece of media that is also about sexual assault and about groups of people protecting each other, which is Alan versus Pharaoh. It is the documentary about the court case against Woody Allen. I just really recommend everybody watch it. Lots of things went unsaid and unheard in the media for the longest time. And finally, this documentary, which is very well made and really equally thrilling, wraps everything up in a way that it's really important that we all hear it. Talks about guys like this, specifically Woody Allen. I'll probably bring it up again for the Woody Allen one. But, uh, oh God, is there a Woody Allen one on the list? Oh, of course Ew. there is. It's really good. You should watch it. And also, it's something that is thrilling, dark, about sexual assault, that you can feel that you are taking down one mm. of these predators instead of supporting it. There you go. I think that's great. I similarly have a recommendation. Sorry, it's not funny, but I do think you should, instead of watching this movie, never ever watch this movie. Oh my God, don't watch this movie. You should watch Nanette by Hannah Gadsby, mm. which is a one-hour special by stand-up comedian Hannah Gadsby. And it also talks extremely eloquently about sexual assault, specifically men in power. Specifically, she puts it in the context of Picasso and how he took advantage of literal children and assaulted them. There's one other little segment I have. This is a segment called, Can I Just Say? 
Can I just say, y'all can really fuck off with this movie. The film was underwhelming. The experience of watching it triggering and having to read about its director made me sick. While the film depicts a monster growing within Rosemary, the forgiveness and overlooking Hollywood and many of you have demonstrated in recommending it very clearly displays where the real monstrosity lies. The exploitation of young women by men in power, the treatment of women's bodies as objects, as items a man can possess and decide what to do with, the casual nature in which marital rape is joked about, the way the husband says, they promised you wouldn't get hurt, even though the base premise of the ritual is rape, and the voyeuristic male gaze. What hurts the most is all of you know or have access to knowing what Roman Polanski did, and you choose to look past that. It is important to highlight the harm that movies like this cause. This film is still very firmly in the zeitgeist in spite of all the damage it and its creator have done. When you support narratives like this, you tell people like me that our stories don't matter as much as one shriveled prick's creative genius does. Is a movie really worth that to you? This has been Can I Just Say. Girls only. <laughs> Sienna, what would you rate this film? Oh, man. Um, I'd give this film, I think, a point three out of five because Mia Farrow was really good. And so those three, that's for you, baby. It's too confusing to watch. There's too many bad people attached to it that I'm like, I don't, it, it's, I'm confused. It doesn't feel good. And then it's so rapey. Did point you, three what? what? Oh, um, point three smelly amulets <laughs> out of five. So you're going to say? I'm going to give it zero cursed amulets out of five um, oh. for all the reasons that you already heard. Hopefully you listened. Jeez. Well, thank you, everybody, for following this journey. Um, I know this was a tough one. And let me tell you, it was a tough movie mm -hmm. to a get through. A spooky episode for reasons unpredicted. Thank you so much for listening. We are on all forms of social media at Tossed Popcorn. We got TikTok, Twitter, Instagram. If you liked this episode or like the show generally, please rate us five stars and give us a nice little review in the comments. Five stars, super important. If you don't give us five stars, you're a bad person. <laughs> Um. <laughs> <laughs> that's it for Tossed Popcorn's episode on Rosemary's Baby we will never speak of this film again tune in next week when we'll be watching Sienna Star Wars da, 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 da. <laughs> and Happy Halloween Happy Halloween thank you we love you bye, bye. you can find us on Instagram as at Sienna Jekyll and at Liana Holston Please check the description for the spelling of our dumb names. We put out episodes every Tuesday, so make sure to subscribe so that you don't miss an episode. See you next week on Tossed Popcorn. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, check the iHeartRadio app. It's like the police knew who he was before they got here. From iHeart Podcasts. The medical school dean at USC was leading a secret double life. Breathing. Right now? Yes, she's absolutely breathing. I'm a doctor, actually. A story about money, power, and corruption. When people fall in line, they fall in line. Looking back, I realized, oh, everyone knew. I'm Paul Pringle, an investigative reporter for the LA Times. Listen to Fallen Angels, a story of California corruption, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, this is Kurt Woodsmith. You remember me from such TV comedies as That 70s Show and That 90s Show on Netflix. I'll never forget the words that my grandfather said just before he kicked the bucket. He said, watch how far I can kick this bucket. People ask me where I get my dad jokes from. I tell them to listen to the Daily Dad Jokes podcast. Listen to Daily Dad Jokes every day on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Something that makes me crazy is when people say, well, I had this career before, but it was a waste. And that's where the perspective shift comes, that it's not a waste that everything you've done has built you to where you are now. This is She Pivots, the podcast where we explore the inspiring pivots women have made and dig deeper into the personal reasons behind them. Join me, Emily Tish sussman every Wednesday on She Pivots. Listen to She Pivots on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Therapy for Black Girls podcast is your space to explore mental health, personal development, 
and all the small decisions we can make to become the best possible versions of ourselves. I'm your host, Dr. Joy Harden Bradford, a licensed psychologist in Atlanta, Georgia, and I can't wait for you to join the conversation every Wednesday. Listen to the Therapy for Black Girls podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Take good care, and we'll see you there.